Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, one of the things that I find really fascinating about the life of Jesus is the moment in his life when he started to recruit his disciples. Actually, the heading in the Bible was finding his first followers. It's pretty cool because his first followers, they weren't exactly who you would expect, right? I mean, they were, they were fishermen. They, they were this ragtag group of people. They were sailors and they kind of cussed like it, right? I mean, there's like evidence of like they, they had kind of foul mouths and they, they didn't really look the part. But these are the people that God chooses and, and the very first people that he goes after, they're brothers and their names are Peter and Andrew. And I think it's, it's cool that Jesus, as he approaches them, he could have just said, hey, come follow me, but he knows who he's talking to and so he speaks to them in a very unique way. And so he comes up to fishermen and I want you to see what he says and how he says it. This is found in Matthew chapter four, verse 19. He says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. I think that's pretty cool because this says something about God. God loves to find us right where we are and he loves to call us to where he wants us to go. He speaks our language, he gets us. And I think this is fascinating. And then listen to what happens next, verse 20, right away. They left their nets and they followed him. And this is cool because anytime that you see Jesus creating a disciple, finding followers, here's the first thing that he does. He says, come follow me. And then he always sends them out. He says, go and tell. So he says, come and follow. And then he says, go and tell anywhere you look. And of course, the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Make sure nobody doesn't know about me. And so today, the title of my message appropriately is Go Fish. I want to talk to you about this idea that Jesus shared with his disciples, Peter and Andrew, Go Fish. It's evangelism. And here's the thing. If you're anything like me, evangelism is one of those topics that can make me feel kind of a little bit uneasy, a little bit nervous. It's almost like a lost art. Wouldn't you agree? Like fishing for people that are far from God. It sounds cool. But it's interesting, they did this study, this survey of Christians through LifeWay and Gallup Research. You know what they found? This blew me away. 95% of Christians never once share their faith and lead someone to Jesus in their lifetime. 95% never lead a soul to Jesus. Here's an equally sad statistic. 90% never even try, like never even give it a shot. That's, that's sad because here's what it means. It means nine out of 10 found people never find people. And here's what I can promise you. I don't think it's because any of us don't want to see people know Jesus. I don't think it's for a lack of a desire. I think it's because we don't know where to start. We don't know the first place to start when it comes to how would I approach that conversation? What would I say? How do I do it so it doesn't sound weird? Because we've all seen the person that looked a little bit weird talking about Jesus. It's just what's going through our minds. And so I want to talk today about how we can fish for people that are far away from God. I want to give you three ways to do it. And here's the first one. You ready? The first way that we can fish for people who are far from God. This is what every great fisherman will tell you. You've got to know who you're fishing for. Like every great fisherman, before they decide the bait, before they decide what kind of pole, they're going to decide what kind of fish. Who are you fishing for? And, uh, I think it's helpful for us as a church. I just wanna talk a little bit about our culture today. 
I want to give you a little bit of language and terminology to wrap your mind around because I want you to know why we exist as a church. So every church, you need to know this, whether they realize it or not, they are fishing in one of two ponds. Here's the first pond, and it ought to be our priority. The first pond is we are fishing in the unchurched pond. And you could label this any number of ways. You could say these are lost people or people that are far from God. In other words, they are people that do not know Jesus. We're fishing in the unchurched pond. That is priority number one at Believer's Church, in case you were wondering. Now, there's another pond, and it is equally important. And the people in this pond are valuable to no end. It's the churched pond. It's people that already know Jesus. It's people who are found. But, but here's one thing that I've noticed in, in church world. If we're not careful, we can kind of fix our focus on the wrong pond. We don't mean to. It's not by intention. But I love this quote by Paul Harvey. He said, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but simply keepers of the aquarium. That's good. What does he mean by that? He means that over time, if we're not careful, we can get our focus on the wrong thing. And you got to know this. Jesus didn't call us to fish for found people. Jesus called us to fish for people who are far away from God. As a matter of fact, in Luke 19, 10, here's what, here's what they say about Jesus. The son of man came to find lost people and save them. Now, here's, here's the challenge and the struggle for every believer, every Christian. If, if this fishbowl is, is the fishbowl of our faith, the local church, I think what can happen is we start to like it. It's funny, when you, when you put a new fish in, in a new bowl, it takes some time, but they get acclimated to it, right? But over time, because it's clean and, and it's comfortable, you know when every meal is coming, there's no waves and it's calm. So over time, you just kind of get acclimated to it and it feels safe. And, and you start to put all your focus on the fishbowl and you know what we miss out on? The sea of souls that are right outside the door that are far away from God. And when we get acclimated to this, it's almost like, it's almost like jarring. It's a shock to our system when we go out into the world. We have all Christian friends in our fishbowl, and we listen, of course, to 95.5, the fish in our fishbowl. We only eat Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. I mean, you know, I could go on and on, but I mean, it's just like, we're just only ever around found people. And we're missing something. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you were sent on a mission to go get something from the store. I'm sure many husbands have been in this boat. But on several occasions, my wife, Erin, has said, Joe, I need this one thing. Can you go get it for me? And I say, of course, I got this. I'm not even going to write it down. It's all up here. And so I go to the store. And as I'm kind of browsing through the aisles, I'm like, you know what? We need fabric softener. We, we're running low. And then I, I go to the refrigerator in my mind, and I'm like, I need some produce, and I don't think we have yogurt right now, and, and, and we need butter, and we need some milk, and so I get that. And then, you know, I go through the media aisle, and I might see a DVD that I like. And, you know, by the time I get to the end of the line and I check out, I'm like, man, this was an amazing trip. And have you ever gone home, and you show your wife the bounty that you have collected, and she asks, Where's the one thing I sent you for in the first place? And I say, I'll be right back, right? Like we've, we've all been there. Because when you forget why, you get out of whack and, and, and you lose your purpose. And, and I think this is what can happen as Christians. Because Jesus said to go fish. It's the primary objective. Go fish in the pond full of unchurched people. 
But over time, if we forget the why, then all of our priorities get out of whack. There, there's this kind of, this legend of these, of these rescue societies that were all along the East Coast and well over 100 years ago before they had uh, you know, be, before they had things that, uh, you know, organizations that could go and rescue people, uh, they would actually band together as a volunteer force to do it. And so if there was a storm, all of the locals, the sailors and the fishermen, they would hear a distress call and they would go brave the waves and they would leave their comfort and leave their homes. And they would risk their lives to go and rescue people who were sinking, who were drowning. And it got it got pretty popular because it was effective. And so they started to band together and they would create these rescue societies. And eventually they, they built clubhouses because there were all of these rescued fishermen and sailors that would turn around and want to do the same thing for other people. And over time, like, like anything, their meetings consisted of telling about stories of rescues that had happened in the past. And they had paintings, beautiful paintings of rescues that they had been a part of. But over time, these rescue societies stopped rescuing people altogether. They started just gathering and, and it was comfortable and, and over a drink or a meal, they would, they would talk about all of the great things that had happened in the past, but they were missing out on the people that needed rescued. And today, do you know what they're called? They don't go by rescue societies anymore. They're called yacht clubs. And you can find them all over the coastline. How did they get, how did they get from where they started to where they are? How did they go from being a rescue society, saving souls to a social club? Because they forgot why they existed in the first place. And I think this can happen if we're not careful. It can happen in a church too. Let me just, let me put it this way. I think sometimes when we forget why, we start to quibble over how. How many churches have broken up and split because they're concerned a little bit more about how they do church instead of being the church, right? And so it becomes really easy for, for pastors and churches to stop fishing for people that are far from God and start fishing for found people in the fishing bowl down the street, right? We don't even realize we're doing it, but it's kind of like, I caught one last night, just want you to know that. Oh, oh, we start just looking for people and we're like, hey, we have some really good worship here. And, um, I think you'll really, you really like our programs here. I think you really like our facility here. Hello. I, th I think we got a better setup here. And before we know it, it's like, we don't even realize it. It feels like fishing. It feels like growth, but we are just transferring one found fish to the bowl down the street. And we think it's evangelism. It's kind of like a bank when they're like, hey, take all your money and transfer your savings account and we'll start you out with $500 in ours. It's just a better incentives package. It's not real growth, it's transfer growth. This is what can happen if we're not careful. You know what's so silly? Watch it happen again and again. All of a sudden, the enemy starts to pit us against each other. And it becomes about taking fish from that church instead of taking a city with that church. All of a sudden, our priorities and our focus change. This isn't what God had in mind. And I want to challenge you with this idea. And I, I want us to really think about why we exist as a church. And when you know who you're fishing for, it becomes abundantly clear. So here's the next thing any great fisherman would tell you. After you know who you're fishing for, the who dictates how, right? And, and so if you want to fish for fishing in 
uh, you know, an ice, you can tell I'm not a fisherman. If you want to you go ice fishing, there's a certain type of bait. Sometimes there's live bait and sometimes there's lures and sometimes there's worms, but, but you have to use the right bait to catch the right fish. You know, where you get into trouble is where you're trying to fish for something that's not going to bite on the bait that you're using. And it's funny to me that, that professional fishermen, you know what they're called? Pro anglers. You know what they're really good at? The art of the angle. It's almost like they're master casters. They're just really good at it. You know who's a master caster in the Bible? The Apostle Paul. And there's this, this passage in 1 Corinthians 9. I wanna read it with you. Let's just study this for a little bit this morning because this is a blueprint for how and why we do church here at BC. Listen to this. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Listen to what Paul says. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all to reach a wide range of people. And here's what this tells me. Paul is a mature follower of Christ because his life is no longer about him, but he is voluntarily serving other people. That's the benchmark of a true disciple and follower of Jesus. Your life is lived for other people. Now listen, he says, I'll do anything to reach a wide range of people. And then he lists who the people are. So these are just different fish, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists and loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized. I love this next part, whoever. I mean, he's like, I will do anything to reach anyone. In some translations, he talks about the Greek, that's somebody that's unchurched. He talks about the Jew, that's a religious person that doesn't know Jesus. I mean, anybody, anybody. And listen to this next part. This is what I love. I kept my bearings in Christ. Did you know that you don't have to be like people to be liked by people? Sometimes as Christians, we kind of get that mixed up. No, 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 you can be in the world and not of the world, and you can reach the world as you do it. Now listen to this. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Can I tell you the key to witnessing to any person and reaching them where they are? Enter their world and try to experience things from their point of view. There's something about it. I, I just, I'll give you a good example. Paul in another spot in the other book of Corinthians, you know what he said? He said, I gladly boast in my weaknesses because in my weakness, God's strength is revealed in its perfection. He says, I boast all the more in my weakness. You know, there's this thing that happens in church world. It's the only place it happens. It's kind of like show your best and hide the rest. You know what I mean? It's like, I gotta come here all figured out and stand on this stage and show you all the areas that I have mastered. No, but can I just, can I, let's say it this way. If you can witness from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. Can we agree with that? What is one of the reasons we love Pastor Joe so much? Because there's probably not a week that goes by where he doesn't tell some kind of awfully embarrassing story about himself, right? I mean, he's just real. And there's something about that that draws people to you. You know, I've heard, I've heard it said that the best messages that preachers preach are two words, me too. Can I tell you what the world doesn't need? The world doesn't need a perfect person to point at you and tell you what's wrong with you. The world needs an imperfect person to say, hey, me too. I'm struggling with that just the same, but here's the only difference. I found Jesus and he's helping me to walk through it. There's something about that that changes people. Uh, maybe the way we could say it is, don't just have the bait, but be the bait. If you can be real, there's something attractive about that. There's something in you that people say, man, there's something different about him. 
And it's the difference in us that makes a difference in other people. How about this one? Have a purpose. Have a purpose. If you want to be the bait in your world, you know that one of the number one search terms on Google last year was, what is my purpose? That's crazy to me because here's what it says. Regardless of what people project on their social media pages, regardless of what they say is important to them in the privacy of their home, on their smartphone, what they are typing in is, what is my purpose? It's the question people are asking. It's probably why The Purpose Driven Life is like the number two best-selling book of all time behind the Bible, right? Because it's a question that people are asking. So let me just talk to you real quick about some bait that we use as a church. And I really hope that this doesn't sound like a bait and switch. I hope it doesn't sound like manipulation. Here's how I would phrase it. It's speaking the language of lost people. Because so many times, here's what I've found, churches are answering questions that people aren't asking. And that's why church is irrelevant to especially the next generation because they've been to enough church services to know this does not apply to my life. This isn't gonna help me with the stuff that I'm facing when I walk out the door. That's what I love about Believer's Church is that you're gonna hear real things that are gonna really help you. But let's just talk practically for a minute about some of the bait that we use, even on a weekend service. So it's a given that you are gonna be the bait in your life, all right? We'll set that aside for a second. Here's one that we hear all the time. We do these guest feedback surveys. What's so cool is they can give them to us anonymously, which is kind of scary <laughs> after they come for a first time, but they're, true, they're truthful, right? They're honest with us. And so uh, one of the things that we hear without fail when somebody tells us about their experiences from the moment I walked in, I felt like I belonged. I felt welcomed. And I see so many people nodding your heads because you remember that moment because we've all been to the church where we didn't feel that way. I gotta tell you, sometimes I'll visit churches and I'm like, man, I do not feel like I belong here right now. You know what I mean? I grew up in church, but I don't feel like, I feel kind of like a fish out of water, right? It's just, it doesn't feel like, like they want me here. I've never heard anybody say that. And, and we're, we're always getting better and all of us are growing, but that's a really cool thing to hear. Here's another one. How about the music? I mean, every time, without fail, if somebody tells me, this is what I noticed first, it's the music. There's something about it. You know what I love about our music? People aren't used to it, especially like in, in this area. If they grew up in church, they're not used to music sounding like the music that they hear on the radio. That's a bridge that we're building to people. You know, one of our core values, we build bridges and not barriers. I think there's something about music, like what's the most catchy part of a song called? The hook. There, there's something about music where it just gets into your soul in a way that a message never could. And so I'm thankful for our band. Can we give it up for our band and thank them at both campuses? Y'all are awesome. Yeah, that's bait. Here's another one next weekend. Next weekend is Easter. Can I tell you something? Culturally, we are working with something to our advantage on that weekend because whether people identify as Christians or not, there's something about Easter where they're like, yeah, I go to church on Easter and I go to church on Christmas. We call them Christer Christians, right? You know, twice a year. And do they really know Jesus? In most cases, no, but it's an amazing excuse to get them into the doors. Uh, another great event that you're gonna hear about through our MC is called The Fives. This is for our students in Paramount, sixth through 12th grade. And we call it The Fives because there's five different kinds of fast food and five giveaways and five speakers speak five minutes each. It makes me wanna be young again, right? It's amazing. And sometimes the criticism of this idea is that like, yeah, but where's the gospel? Shouldn't that be the bait? And here's, here's what I always tell people. Even if they come for the wrong reasons, I believe they will stay for the right ones. 
I watch it happen all the time. I don't think it's a sin to make something attractive. You wouldn't give your son on Christmas morning a gift wrapped in pink paper, right? Like, like even if it was a great gift, it probably wouldn't be packaged in a way that would appeal to him. And so there's something about it. We're just knowing this is the language that they speak. I'm going to speak it so that they can clearly understand what I'm trying to communicate. Now let's talk real quick about some things that can go wrong when we're baiting the hook. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of Christians that speak encoded. It's almost like the longer you stay in this fishbowl, there's almost like, some people call it Christianese. There's just this way that we speak to each other and we get it because we've been washed by the blood of the lamb and we're a child of the great I am, right? I mean, like these are things that we say and that's awesome and it's precious to us. But you know, the Bible actually talks about not giving sacred things in a public way. There, there are certain things we say, they're precious moments for saints when we're gathered together in private meetings. I want you to think about this. This is an issue I watch all the time. Christians trying to fix people before they're found. Trying to fix them before they're found. You know, I love what John Maxwell says. You can't clean a fish until you catch it, right? But how often do we do this? I'll give you a good example. Facebook rants. I know none of us have ever been a part of one, right? It's always a really well-meaning person. I know the truth. I wanna tell the world the truth. But you know what I've noticed? The goal isn't just to tell the truth. The goal is to make people hungry to hear it, right? Because you can win an argument and lose a person. I watch it happen all the time. You know what I've never seen from a Facebook rant? I've never seen 35 comments below with every one of them saying, you're right, I give my life to Jesus right now. Where do I sign? Where do I go? Doesn't happen, right? because we're not speaking the language of lost people. This, this is not, let me just tell you something. Christianity has never led the way with behavior modification. It's soul transformation. And then behavior modification always follows. So, so this is, the goal is we, we wanna see people from God's perspective. I'll give you another example. Jesus called us as Christians to be salt and light, right? Well, salt can enhance a meal. A little bit goes a long way. It actually increases your appetite. It, it's a good thing. You know what else salt does? It makes you thirsty. How cool would it be if we were just salty in our Christianity in such a way that it made people thirsty for the living water that only Jesus provides? How cool would that be? Make them drink like a fish? I went there. It'd be pretty amazing, but you know what else can happen with salt? You can come on too strong with salt. You can ruin a meal. You can leave a bitter taste in people's mouths. All of that is possible. And so we wanna be salt and light, but we wanna do it in a way that appeals to people. We wanna speak their language. The cast is important. Would y'all agree that you can't catch it until you cast it? You've gotta know the angle. I have a prayer for Believer's Church that we would just have a church full of people who are master casters. Great at the art of the angle thinking of people, you'll, you'll notice we, we go about service with intentionality, even on our invite cards. I, I want you to just even think about this. On your social media feeds, are you friends with people who are far from God? Is every post that you do only about church and inside stuff? Because it's great to share things with them, but I find myself catching what I'm gonna say and I filter it through somebody that's not found yet because I wanna build a bridge to them 
And they might not have ears to hear everything I'm going to say just yet. And, and I don't want my one opportunity to be squandered because I'm doing it in a frivolous way. I want to be intentional and missional with every single action in my life. That's what great fishermen do. So as we draw to a close, here, here's number three. I got to tell you, I, I thought about this final point because there were plenty of things that I could say. And I, I really didn't want it to sound cliche but I'm gonna ask you to see this in a different way and maybe frame it from a different perspective. Here's the third thing that every great fisher of men does. They pray. They pray. Here's here's what I've discovered. This is a question that God actually posed to me at the beginning of the year. Joe, all the people that you're preaching to, are you committed to praying for them? Because I think prayer actually earns us the right to preach to them. When we're committed to praying for them, I think there's something that happens in their heart that couldn't otherwise. I think a lot of Christians, they lead the way with the truth and lead the way with the preaching, but they forget the praying part. And you know why? I think it's because we forget that prayer actually works, right? But I would argue that every one of us are here today because of an answer of a prayer of somebody. Prayer is what releases God to do something in our life. And so I've just been asking God, how can I be intentional about my prayer life? One of the things that I try to do is just pray for God to lead me across the path of people that are far from him. Because guess what? I spend a lot of my time in here. As a matter of fact, I'm surrounded like almost 24-7 by found people. I have to pray for opportunities for God to lead me across the path of people that don't know Jesus. And some of us, we look at our jobs like a curse. But listen, you got to shift your perspective because it's a blessing that you are around people that are far from God. Could it be that God placed you there for a purpose? It's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. God puts you there for a reason. You know, one of the things that I love to do, I call them prayer ambushes. And people don't even know what's happening. but, But every now and then, this is just how God works in my life. I will have somebody pop into my mind that I haven't seen for a while. Or maybe it's somebody I haven't seen since high school. And I know they are far from God. And all I know that God wants me to do in that moment is just say a quick prayer for them. And it's not eloquent and I don't throw 15 different scriptures in there. I just pray, God, make yourself real to them. God, send people across their path, laborers that are gonna fish for them and maybe people that are gonna plant the seed, maybe some that will water it, but God, send some people across their path. Then I go about my day. You know, it never fails When I do this, it never fails. Within the week, I will see them somewhere. I'll see them at the grocery store. I'll see them out and about at the gas station, wherever it might be. And in that moment, I know that was God teeing it up for me to invite them to church. For me to, sometimes, here's the best, here's here's a great word of advice. It doesn't always have to be an invite to church. You don't have to reel them in on the first. Sometimes you gotta just pull up before fish is on, right? So, So sometimes it's coffee. Try to enter their world. If you play baseball with them or your kids do, that's an amazing period of time. You've got like two months where you can just get around them and just be normal around them and show them, show them the difference in you. Like St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and speak if necessary. Something cool about that. Uh, you know, no lie, this happened yesterday. Sometimes I just call them prayer ambushes because I'll see somebody and they don't see me, right? And so I'll just be driving. I saw one of my friends from high school and he lives kind of near me, and I know he doesn't know God. And so I just pray, God, don't let him set his head on his pillow tonight without knowing how real you are. 
without knowing how much you care about him. Send people across this path. And then I just drove away. Boom. There's just something about it. And I have complete confidence that God's working on his heart and it's happening. So listen, I want you to just hear what God has to say about this. Romans 10, one's a great example. Brothers, my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. You know what I've noticed? Sometimes I think we forget how important this is to God. You know, it's interesting. Google Trends can tell you, they can actually map out on, on a diagram search terms over time. And I'll show you one that I think is really fascinating. This is a search term for the word evangelism. I want you to look at how much it's declined since the early 2000s. It could be for a lot of reasons, but could it be that it's just not really on our radar? That, that in our Christianity, that's not even in like the top 10 when we start thinking about what this is all about. But remember, it's why we exist in the first place. And there's something about prayer that not only changes them, but it changes me. There's something about prayer that actually gives me a perspective for people that are far from God. It gives me God's perspective. There's something about it when I can just be committed to praying. All of a sudden, I start to see what God's will is. You know how when, when Jesus taught us to pray, what did he say? Pray that my kingdom would come. Pray that my will would be done. Well, what's God's will? God is not willing that any would perish. He went to great lengths to make sure that not one person would escape heaven. And so we want to be in line with God's heart. Colossians 4.3 says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. There's something about when you're just intentional and you start to just ask God, will you open up a door for me today? God always takes you up on it. I'll give you a good example. You know, if I'm being really honest, there are so many moments in my life where I've just chickened out. I've been looking for the opportunity, might've even prayed for it, found it and decided not to take it. Can I just be real with you? I think we've all been there, right? Just moments where I could have said it. I, I, could, I knew they were ripe and they were ready. I just didn't. So lately I've just been determined that I wanna be positioning myself in a place where I can be used by God. And we've been telling you, hey, bring those Easter invites. And I heard God say, why don't you practice what you preach and bring some Easter invites? And so I did and I put them in my car and I end up at Aldi getting some groceries one day. I'm just by myself and I get to the checkout line and I pay for all of my groceries. And the next person behind me, she's this older lady and she's got her daughter and her granddaughter with her. And I don't know if you've ever overheard this conversation. I've had this conversation with my wife a few times in my life, but we were just, she, she was looking at the cart and she was like, I don't think we can get that. Let's trade that back in. I don't think we can afford all of this. And, and they were saying it kind of loud enough for me to hear. And in that moment, you know, you know how you just know God's speaking to you? I just knew clear as day, pay for her groceries. It wasn't like $400 worth of groceries. It was Aldi, you know, but, but it was more than I came planning to spend. But in that moment, I just knew that's, that's the end. That's, that's what God wants me to do. And so I tried to do it discreetly, right? Cause I wasn't trying to like broadcast my generosity. And so I whispered to the cashier, I was like, is there any way I can pay for that? And they don't know. And she's like, no, the way groceries work is you scan it first, then I can, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Awesome. So I was like, I'll just hang out here. And 
usually pretty good with my words, but I just butchered it in every way. Can I, would, um, <clears throat> I'd like to, I'd like to pay for your groceries. And you would have thought that I just told her I was giving her a paid vacation to Italy for 16 weeks. I mean, like there was something inside of her that immediately broke. And all of a sudden her eyes teared up and, and she started just going into all these things that she knew she wasn't gonna be able to afford that month. They had to fix something with their car and I had a little bit of cash and I gave it to him. And it's just the coolest thing. But you know what happened next? She starts, she starts telling her daughter because her daughter was like behind the cart still unloading stuff. And she's like, this man's gonna pay for our groceries. The whole store's looking now. I mean, like, like oh, please, no, stop. Really? And, um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna run out to my car. I got the Easter invites. And as soon as I got them, I see her walking out and she's getting ready to load them into her car. And I'm like, hey, do you guys have a church? Like, no, we don't have, we don't go to church. I was like, you guys should come to our church on Easter weekend. And they had this granddaughter that's about my son's age. And I'm like, you would love our church. It's fun. And so I have no clue if they're coming. They said they want to try. Can you guys pray for them over the next week? But listen, it wasn't because I was perfect. It wasn't because I had it all figured out. It wasn't even because I've never failed before. It was just because I was willing in that moment for God to use me. And I just wanna ask you, what would it look like if an entire church saw people from that perspective? You know, forget about what bait you're using. Let me tell you one thing for sure. Hope is the hook. If we truly have the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ and he is the hope of the world, there's only one reasonable response. It's to tell everybody. So who are the people in your world that this week, maybe as you even leave here today, that are far from God? And I wanna, I wanna show you something. You probably had one of these on, on your seat when you walked in. I just wanted to give you something that would kind of like bother you in the best way all week. Kind of like burn a hole in your pocket. Just a little playing card and it says, go fish. And it's got the little scripture reminder. Maybe put this on your mirror at the house, keep it in your pocket, put it somewhere on the fridge, I mean, just anywhere where it's gonna kind of like bother you all week. And I, I want you to just be thinking, who are these people that I'm around all day, every day that are far from God? And if I don't intervene, they could be on their way to eternal separation from a loving God. Man, what could God do with a few people that got a hold of it? TCI. Man, what could God do with you if you just lived your life on purpose? Be the bait. You can have more purpose where you are than most people do outside of there. You can. It's just being intentional, saying, I'm gonna be a fisherman of people who are far from God. Boardman, man, it's incredible what God is doing, but God can do so much more. You just wait till that building's ready. You just wait till we launch. I mean, there's, there are people, thousands all around you that are hurting and lost and they need Jesus and you're the hope. You carry the hope on that hook. It's Jesus Christ. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're, if you're here in this moment and you're like, man, I know God is speaking to me. Maybe that hasn't been a priority in my life, but I'm ready. Here's the good news. All of us have a different sphere of influence. All of us have different people that we can, we can impact that others can't. So I want you to begin to picture who are those people? People that right now are ready. 
Just commit that to God. Say, God, I'm ready. I'll take a step. I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if they say no 15 times. I'm going to invite them. I'm not just going to invite them. I'm going to bring them. I'm going to show them. God, make it so real and so alive to us. Well, hey, it's appropriate that in this moment, with our heads still bowed and our eyes still closed, that, that I, I give one more invitation. And here's my prayer, that if you're here for the first time or maybe you're far from God and you've never even heard this before, I pray that you would know one thing. I pray that you would really see how much we care about people. People are the point to why we do this. God loves you so much. And here's the gospel summed up. All of us were separated from God by a thing called sin. We're born with it. It's our condition. And Jesus loved you enough to come here into this world, take on human flesh, be tempted in every way that we were, but never give in. And he died on a cross and he took every sin, past, present, and future, and paid the price for it. And then he makes it very simple. In a world that says there's all kinds of different ways to heaven, all kinds of different ways to God, Jesus says, no, I'm the way the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. And then he gives us a simple action. He says, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And so if you can't remember a moment in your life when you've prayed that prayer, the way we say it is put Jesus in the driver's seat. He's not just some distant, far off God that doesn't care. He's the Lord of your life. He controls every decision. If you can't remember a moment like that, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. There are so many here that have prayed that already. And listen, if you, if you prayed this a long time ago and God's saying it's time to recommit, this is your moment. Can we pray that together? Church, can you help us? Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did for me. Thank you for the sacrifice that he paid for my sin my shame. I won't be perfect, but today I take a step. I'll follow you. I am a Christian. In Jesus name. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.